I'll be reading from Psalm 144. Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. O Lord, what is man that you regard him, or the son of man that you think of him? Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Bow your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so that they smoke. Flash forth the lightning and scatter them. Send out your arrows and rout them. Stretch out your hand from on high. Rescue me and deliver me from the many waters, from the hand of foreigners whose mouths speak lies and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song to you, O God. Upon a ten-stringed harp I will play to you, who gives victory to kings, who rescues David, his servant, from the cruel sword. Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners, whose mouths speak lies, whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. May our sons and their youth be like plants full-grown, our daughters like corner pillars cut for the structure of a palace. May our granaries be full, providing all kinds of produce. May our sheep bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields. May our cattle be heavy with young, suffering no mishap or failure in bearing. May there be no cry of distress in our streets. Blessed are the people to whom such blessings fall. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. You know, the Psalms have been an instruction manual on prayer for generations upon generations of the people of God. And I just want to read a few quotes of some people that you may know. Uh, maybe you've read some of their works before. And just, I want to read these quotes because it speaks to the impact the Psalms have had on their lives. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, The more deeply we grow into the Psalms, And the more often we pray them as our own, the more simple and rich our prayer becomes. C.S. Lewis once said, The most valuable thing in the Psalms that the Psalms do for me is to express the same delight in God which made David dance. And R.C. Sproul once said, Whenever I read the Psalms, I feel like I'm eavesdropping on a saint having a personal conversation with God. And so this morning, we're going to eavesdrop on David, and and we're going to listen to his prayer that he has recorded here in Psalm 144. And so as we listen, I'm confident that, like Bonhoeffer stated, our prayers will become richer. And so when you look at Psalm 144, I believe you can divide it up into three sections. Uh, The first one is praise. The second is petition, and the third one deals with provision. And just for the context here, you need to remember that David is king over Israel, and at this point in his reign, he has accomplished many victories over his enemies, and he's experiencing many blessings from God, which prompts David to first in his prayer, praise God. And so listen to verses 1 and 2 again. He says, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war, And my fingers for battle. He is my steadfast love and my fortress. 
my stronghold, my deliverer, my shield, and in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. And so as he goes to God and prays, he rattles off seven descriptions of God. He says, blessed be the Lord who is my rock. In other words, God is my strength. He's my foundation. He says, God is my steadfast love. In other words, he is my, he is my goodness, my fortress and my stronghold. My stronghold. God is, is his protection, his source of security. He says, God is my deliverer. What you need to understand, what he's saying here is, it's not the, the chariots, it's not the archers, it's not the sword, it's not the strength of men who have delivered him and have brought flourishing to the kingdom, but it is the Lord. God is his deliverer and God is his shield. He is the ultimate defense against his enemies. And then God also is his refuge. And this term refuge can also be translated as to you know, what you put your trust in. You know, God is his refuge. He is the one in whom David trusts. And so I wonder even today, you know, is God your refuge? Is he the one you trust in? Is he your shield, your fortress, your deliverer? And then as David moves through his prayer, as he continues to praise the Lord, he humbles himself even more. As he prays verses 3 and 4, he says, O Lord, what is man that you regard him, or the son of man that you think of him? Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. In other words, you know, the eternal God, why would you take note of man who is just here for a moment? And at this point in David's life, like I said, he's experienced many great victories as king, and his kingdom's flourishing, yet with all his success as king, he still humbles himself and recognizes that none of this would be possible without the Lord. You know, in um, July of 2012, then-President Barack Obama made the following speech at a campaign rally. He said, if you've been successful, <clears throat> you didn't get there on your own. <clears throat> I'm always struck by people who think, well, it must be because I was so smart. You know, there are, a lot of, there are a lot of smart people out there. It must be because I worked harder than everyone else. Let me tell you something. There are a whole bunch of hardworking people out there. If you were successful, somebody along the line gave you some help. And then he made this controversial statement. He said, if you've, if you've got a business, you didn't build that. Some, somebody else made that happen. Now, I don't, I don't agree with everything President Obama said, did, or tried to do. But I find this speech interesting because it actually is very similar to the beginning of Psalm 144. With one major exception, mind you, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But the president, the gist of what he's saying is that while hard work and ingenuity is important, we must realize that we are very dependent on one another. And so even though we may have built a business or a successful company, we must realize that we have benefited greatly from those around us. In other words, we're standing on the shoulders of those who have gone before us, our teachers, our mentors, our caregivers, etc. And so the biggest difference, though, between the president's speech and the prayer of King David is that David goes beyond just the help that you may have received from your fellow man. And he says and acknowledges that God is the one who is behind every good thing. And so David is quick to acknowledge that God is the source of his being 
and that God is the one who has equipped and enabled him to do anything of worth. I mean, you read the beginning of the psalm, that's what he's saying. <laughs> he doesn't praise himself. He says, God is my strength. God is my fortress. God is my refuge. He is my shield. So David realizes nothing is possible without the Lord. Nothing good, nothing that endures, nothing that is worthwhile is possible without the Lord enabling me to do it. This is what makes David one of the reasons why he was such a great leader. Now, you may not be the king of a vast empire, right? Or the president of some country. But you know, just as... You know, David was, I mean, God was calling David to be king over the people of Israel. So God has called you to a position. And he has given you gifts just like he gave David gifts. And he wants you to fulfill your calling. And the way we fulfill our calling, our purpose, our role in the kingdom of God is to humble ourselves by continually realizing That God is our strength. He is our fortress. He is our shield. He is our refuge. And we must never lose the wonder that comes with realizing that the God of all grace, mercy, and love has actually descended and He is with us and He is for us and He is working within us even though we don't deserve it. And so it's always a good idea to start your prayer like David. And that is with praise. And that's exactly what he does here. And yet while his kingdom is flourishing in many ways, and he praises the Lord, there's also some uh, enemies or some threats to the shalom of the people of God. There are some threats to the peace of the people of God. And so David moves to the second part of his prayer, which is petition. And he petitions God for his continued help. And this is what he says in verse 5. He says, Bow your heavens, O Lord, and come down. You know, the picture here is that God is on His throne in heaven and David is asking Him to to come down and deal with the issue that he's facing. He's asking Him to descend from heaven and come down. And you know, you almost automatically think of John chapter 1, don't you? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. How God is always coming down and working in the lives of people and for people for His glory. Then he says, touch the mountains so that they smoke. Flash forth the lightning and scatter them. Send out your arrows and rout them. And the imagery here is reminiscent of when God met Moses on Mount Sinai, if you remember. He came down to meet with Moses. And there was smoke on the mountain. And then David is asking the Lord here to use means that only the Lord can use to deal with his issues. You know, send down the lightning. You know, these are some things that we just can't do. Even though I noticed that there's a movie coming out where somehow you can control the weather. But we haven't gotten there yet. But, uh, but so he's saying, Lord, you know, bring down the, the smoke, bring down the lightning. In other words, do what only you can do to rout my enemies. And so he's asking the Lord for deliverance. And then he says in verse 7, stretch out your hand from on high. Rescue me, deliver me from the many waters, from the hand of foreigners who whose mouth speak lies and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. So, you know, David's asking for deliverance just like you ask for deliverance from people who are bent on evil and corruption and who are full of lies. This, 
who are disrupting the, the shalom of the community, of the, the peace of the community. David says, I want you, God, to deal with these people so that this is no longer the case. And so David's petitioning the Lord for deliverance. And I just wonder, I mean, can you think of anything in your life right now that is disrupting your peace? <laughs> I, I can think of a few in my own life. And so what should we do? Well, I think if we have the same God David has then we should petition the Lord for help. Bring it to the Lord. And then I love this in verses 9 and 10, even though I am not musically inclined at, at, at all. Okay? Um, not at all. But listen to what he says. I love this. Verses 9 and 10, he prays, I will sing a new song to you, O God. Upon a ten-stringed harp I will play to you, who gives victory to kings, who rescues David his servant from the cruel Sword. And so what is David saying is I'm, he's petitioning the Lord for help. And then he's saying that when the Lord answers his prayer, when God delivers him, he will respond in praise. And not only will he respond in praise, he will sing a new song to the Lord. Not an old song. A new song to the Lord. And he will use a ten-stringed harp to add music to this new song of worship. So... Many of you have had birthday parties or you've been to a birthday party and you know it would be weird if you had a birthday party and people just rewrapped the gifts they brought you last year and gave it to you again. Right? Maybe some people do that, but normally that's not what we do. Even though you're the same person you were last year and we're having another year of your birthday we're celebrating, we usually bring new gifts. And that's kind of the vision I, I, I get when I read this passage. David says, I mean, David, how many songs did David write? I mean, good grief. He wrote a lot of them. But he says, you know what, God, I'm going to write a new song. When you deliver me here, I'm going to write a new song. One that I haven't sung before. And I'm going to put it to music because I want to praise you. And so, you know, when we, when we praise God in song... We can sing Him songs that we have sung in the past, like the ones we sang this morning. How great is our God. Great is the Lord. How great Thou art. I mean, these are wonderful songs that we should keep in our arsenal to, to give praise to the Lord. And church history is full of music, praising God uh, for ways in which He's worked in the lives of people. And you may hear a song and it may not resonate with you because perhaps you, know, you just haven't seen God do you know, what they did in this person's life, maybe you just haven't experienced that in that way, and so maybe that song doesn't resonate with you, but maybe another song does, because, you know, God met you like He met the writer of this other song. And so, it's it's wonderful to have quite the diversity of music. And so what we learn is there's always room for new songs, right? I mean, as long as God is working, there's always room for new songs, if God is bringing about deliverance in our lives. And so every song, every hymn that we've ever sung has, was new at one time, right? And it was probably written because God did something in their life. And so they responded and said, you know, I'm going to write a new song to articulate praise to God. And so even today, we should be open to new songs of praise that tell of how wonderful God is and how He works in the lives of people. And listen to this. The Bible even tells us in Revelation 14 that the believers in heaven will sing a new song to the Lord. Listen to what it says. Revelation 14, 2 and 3. 
And I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters and like the sound of thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they were singing a new song before the Lord, before the throne, and before the four living creatures and before the elders. And so God is being praised with this new song in heaven. And David's telling God that when he experiences God's deliverance, when he sees God's, God work in this situation, he's going to respond in praise. And David was just really good at writing songs. And so he said, you know what, I'm going to write a song about it too and praise you in song. And I'm going to put it to music with my 10-string life. Which is pretty impressive, I guess. I've never played one, seen one. Um, but I Googled it. So I saw a, uh, what they think it looked like. Anyway. That's right, there are different ones. There's, yeah, that's right, we'll have a six-string guitar tonight, but you know, there's different stringed lyres. Supposedly this was a fancy one. So he's saying, I'm going to, you know, I'm really going to make this song awesome because you're an awesome God. Then he continues with this, his petition in verse 11, and he says, uh, he prays, Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speak lies and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. Again, he's praying for help against those who are seeking to disrupt his peace. And if there's someone or something disrupting your peace this morning, you need to petition the Lord. You need to go to God with that. If you're around people that are speaking lies, you need to take that to God. And David, we see him humbling himself and we see him beginning his prayer by praising God. And then he petitions God for help against those who are disrupting his shalom. Then he moves to the final part of his prayer, which is for continued provision. So David has stated what he wants God to deliver him from, and now he is stating what he wants God to deliver to him and to his community. Look at verse 12. He prays, May our sons in their youth be like plants full grown, our daughters like corner pillars cut for the structure of a palace. The bottom line is he's praying for the next generation. He's praying that they will grow into the people God wants them to be. And I wonder, are you concerned with the next generation? Are you concerned with your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren? And are you praying for them? Are you praying that they will be like plants full grown? That they will become the people God wants them to be? Are you praying that God would bless them? David is asking the Lord that he would bless the sons and daughters so that they would be like plants full grown. And this is another reason why David was such a good leader is because he was not so caught up in himself and what he wants for himself, but he's looking out for the community. And he said, God, would you bless the children? Would you bless the, the sons, the daughters of the community? And this is what prompted him to pray for this next generation, that he wanted to see God at work in the people. And then he continues to pray for provision. In verse 13, he prays, May our granaries be full, providing all kinds of produce. How many of you have granaries? Anybody? None? Okay. May our sheep bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields. Anybody? Sheep? None? Now, if I were to say chickens, maybe some of you might have some of those, but he doesn't pray for chickens here. Just for sheep. 
grain sheep. Um, then he says, May our cattle be heavy with young, suffering no mishap or failure in bearing cattle. Anybody? Okay. Um, May there be no cry of distress in our streets. So, wow, I mean, this, how does this apply to us? We, none of you have granaries. Um, I was surprised that no one even has any livestock around their house or anything. No, no livestock, no sheep, no, uh, no cattle. And so if David were alive today, what would he pray? If he was here and he was going to lead us in prayer in this part of his psalm, his prayer, what would he pray? Well, I think he might pray that our businesses would be profitable and that our bank accounts would contain more than we need. I think he would pray that we would all have electricity. Some of you last night probably went without some electricity for a few hours. He would pray that there would be electricity, clean drinking water, and well-stocked pantries in every home. I think he'd pray that every home would be full of love and instruction. I think he'd pray that every person would have access to education and health care. I think he'd pray that the prisons would be empty and the colleges would be full. He'd pray that there'd be 0% unemployment and a surplus of jobs for every skill set. I think he'd pray that racism and discrimination would be replaced by equality and servanthood. And I think he'd pray that justice would be equally distributed and every citizen would have the opportunity to use his or her God-given gifts to better the community. In other words, I think they would pray for the flourishing of our community. Or what the Bible uses a term called shalom, the wholeness, the peace, and the flourishing of our community. And finally, at the very end, he brings much-needed perspective to his prayer. And I think we need to give heed to it. As he concludes his prayer for provision in verse 15, he says two things that should instruct all of us in our prayers. First one is this. Blessed are the people to whom such blessings fall. And so one thing you can learn from David is, first of all, there's nothing wrong with with praying for material blessings. That's okay. You You can do that. You can pray that God would bless you in this way. There's nothing wrong with praying for material blessings, or as Calvin calls them, transistory blessings. You know, a transistory blessing is a temporary blessing, a short-term blessing. And so it's not wrong to ask God to bless those in our church and our community with these transistory blessings. But then second he says, blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. So I believe David would pray that God would bless us with transistory blessings, but he would be quick to pray this last line because David recognizes that having healthy children, a good job, health insurance and education, and peace, these are all good things. But there's one thing that is even more fundamental than all of those, and that is to have God as your Lord. This is the most fundamental human need, is to have God as your Lord. It's entering this relationship with God, this covenant relationship with God. And the way you and I enter this covenant relationship with God, enter the kingdom of God, is through David's greater son, Jesus Christ. Like I mentioned in our prayer confession, Jesus came to us, lived, He died on the cross for our sins. In other words, He did all that was necessary 
being raised from the dead, everything that was needed to be done so that we can have access to God. So that God can be our Lord. So that we can have this covenant relationship with God. And so David recognizes, and I hope that you recognize, that our most fundamental need is for God to be our Lord. Which means we need to have a relationship with Him. We need to be joined to Him through His Son, Jesus Christ, which requires each of us to make that decision by faith. That's something you have to determine that, that yes, I need the Lord. And you need to come to the Lord through faith in Christ. Now, as I was reading through the psalm, though, I was thinking, you know, it is a lot easier to, to pray, blessed are the people whose God is the Lord, when things are going well, when the community's flourishing, the kingdom's going well. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. That's an easier prayer to pray, perhaps. But then I was reminded of Habakkuk's prayer. In Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 and 19. I want you to listen to Habakkuk's prayer. Very similar to David's prayer at the end here, with a little bit of a difference. Listen to what he says in chapter 3 of Habakkuk. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's, and He makes me tread on my high places. So I believe David would have prayed that prayer too. I believe he would have prayed it. And I think that's a prayer we could all pray if we know the Lord. If our foundation is secure in Him, our circumstances should not dictate the fact that we can go to the Lord and thank Him for who He is. Thank Him for what He's done in us in Christ. Remember what Jesus said, Matthew 16, 26, For what profit... Is it, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? And this is why I think David prayed, Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. Because that is the most fundamental need that we have. And then everything else, that everything, every good thing that happens to you beyond that is icing on the cake. Right? It is icing on the cake. Now, people like icing. I mean, <laughs> I'm not, nothing wrong with icing. Pray for icing. Put the icing on. Keep it on there. But it's icing on the cake. The most fundamental need that we all have is to know the Lord. And so if you know the Lord, then you are blessed. And everything else is icing on the cake. And so maybe we learn to pray like David with humility. Praising God for who He is. With anticipation as we petition, petition God for help. And with thanksgiving for the blessings of provision that He allows us to experience. And then... May we be able to say with Bonhoeffer, the more deeply we grow into the Psalms and the more often we pray them as our own, the more simple and rich our prayer become. Let us pray. Father, that is our prayer. Lord, we do ask that you would bless our church, that you would bless our community.
with transistory blessings. We pray for uh, fruitful jobs and provision. And we pray that our pantries would be full and our bank account would uh, have sufficient funds. And Lord, that justice would be upheld in our community. Lord, we pray for all these things. And we want you to do these things in our midst. Lord, we pray that you would make our church a fruitful church in our uh, proclamation of the gospel. That you would uh, multiply those who come to know you in Christ. That, That you would build up this church family. That you would provide for uh, the ministries that we're trying to uh, implement. Lord, we just pray for all these things. Uh, but most importantly, God, we pray that each person here would know you as their Lord. And each person in our community in Augusta here would know you as their Lord. But we know that is the most fundamental need of every human heart. But we are created to know you. Lord, I pray that each person here knows you. And that we would all respond to you in praise. That we would pr- present our petitions to you. We ask for pr- provision. But we would not lose sight of what you have done for us through Christ. And we will praise you for that. And that is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.